This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. Hey, this is Todd Hoffman from WSTR Galactic Public Access, and you're listening to Conversations with Pat and Charles. These two goofballs will make you laugh, and you'll learn a little bit something about Star Wars. It's a translation to a Star Wars nation. It's a celebration. Hello, and welcome to Conversations. I'm Charles. And I'm Pat, and this is episode 93. Throughout the galaxy, there are many diverse worlds, from those with lush green, snow-covered plains to dense forestry and exotic bioluminescence. But there is none like that of the sand-swept dunes of Tatooine. Tatooine. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like a panther. Uh, <laughs> so Tatooine. Yes. Uh, well, like a minor planet in the whole saga, I guess. Yeah, I think it shows up a couple times. A couple? I thought it was once. Per movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, you might be right. You might be right. So this is actually part of our Road to 100. Yeah, we are knocking on the door of 100 episodes of this little thing we call our podcast. That's quite the signpost. Wait, we have a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Okay, I mean, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, the Road to 100. That, that ends up being... Uh... Our extra special triple digits episode. Exactly. We got some big stuff planned for that one. Big, big stuff. Woo! And hey, Charles. Yes. Plan some big stuff for that episode. Okay. Rob, <laughs> plan some big stuff for that episode. <laughs> Rob! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, so The Road to 100, we've done lots of shows, lots of characters. But, I mean, we've done Han and Leia, of course. Those are major characters. But we and kept... don't forget R2-D2. R2-D2, right, just recently, right. exactly. So this one represents one of those core pieces of the saga that we're now talking about getting to 100 episodes. So this is very exciting. I'm excited. So am I. Perfect. So that'll be in the next, um, what, about three months, yeah? Yes. Oh, man. Well, stay tuned as more uh, details get revealed. Yes. And as I plan stuff. <laughs> yes. That being said, Tatooine. Mm. We are first introduced to Tatooine in A New Hope. It's the first actual planet seen in Star Wars. You know, obviously, it's first revealed to us as the escape pod uh, containing the droids hurled towards it after jettisoning from the Tantive Four. Right. So as we all know, it's a planet made up of desert. Not dessert, but desert. <laughs> yes. Not nearly as delicious. However, it has two suns. Yes. And um, no wonder it's dry and barren. Um, so what do you know about its moons? Well, there's three moons. There two. are two suns and three moons. Yes. One planet. Yeah, exactly. Well, first of all, those two suns have names. They do. And so, I mean, of course, we're talking about Tatooine here, right? And you know, as Luke alludes to, um, you know, this is far from Coruscant. And in fact, it's in the Outer Rim Territories, of course. Yeah. Um, the sector is Arcanus. And the system they're in is Tattoo. 
Yes. Which was cool to see that because I actually never even knew that. Um, and the f- sons are <laughs> Tattoo 1 and Tattoo 2. Tattoo 2. <laughs> yes. And, of course, the planet is called uh, Tatooine, which is kind of very cool. And, you know, I would imagine at some points it's in between Tattoo 1 and Tattoo 2. Yes. So it's Tattoo Tween. <laughs> No, I Which, thought it was. Well, I don't know. It's actually very close to the uh, actual name of uh, some of the filming locations in uh, Tunisia. So, yes, the three moons. Gamorrison. Gamorrison to you, too. <laughs> Even though we're recording this at night. Yes, exactly. Well, it's kind of late, so it'll be it'll be morning soon. It'll be Gamorrison in <laughs> 17 minutes. Gamersa and Chinini. Why is Gamora? What? what? <laughs> Chinini? Oh, those are delicious. But yes, those are the three moons of Tatooine, which is funny because, you know, obviously we're all very familiar with the two suns and the binary uh, sunset and everything. Um, yes. There's very little mention of the moons, but that was kind of a cool feature of the planet itself. Could you imagine the eclipses they have? Oh, right. <laughs> you crazy. <laughs> Trippy thing. It would be. Sure. And that explains why it's so dry, too, because the two suns, especially on the uh, sort of the silicate that occupies a lot of the planet does reflect a lot of the light and the heat from the suns, and therefore makes it much more arid. Right. I mean, it is, of course, and irritating. However, a longer time ago, mining firms would use sand crawlers to harvest the silicate ore. That's right. They, um... Yeah. That was... Which, I mean, when you look at the sand crawler, it's like, yes, it's perfect. It's like a dune thing. It it's is. Like dune harvester vehicle. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. So they use those, and then... Their resources were suboptimal. So they were like, we out. And they like took off and uh, left a lot of their equipment there. Right. And I wonder what uh, species on this planet would take over these leftover uh, Well, vehicles. it's funny you should mention <laughs> that because we do have several different species that live and thrive on Tatooine. <laughs> you know, we've got banthas and dewbacks. That's right. Eopies. Yeah. yeah. And those delicious Rontos. <laughs> yum, yum. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then uh, among the more sentient of the beings that call Tatooine home, we do have sand people or Tusken Raiders and the Jawas. The Jawas, who were very industrious and took over those vehicles. And I'm sure anything else that they left over. Everything else. Yeah, everything have else. you ridden Star Tours? <laughs> My gosh, as soon as you crash a thing, it's like they've taken all the pieces off. <laughs> and else? then those little dirt bags in Mandalorian are like stealing all his stuff. What yes. a bunch of jerks. They took apart the uh, the ship quite quickly, in fact. I, you know what? You got to admire a, a, a group of uh, beings that will steal your equipment and then sell it back to you. <laughs> oh, poor Obi-Wan. <laughs> oh, terrible. Terrible, terrible. And that's why Tika remains on the Target shelf, because I refuse to buy that little dirt bag. <laughs> it's like the Star Wars version of a chop shop. That's the one. So, um, yeah. So an even longer time ago, the planet was lush with oceans and rainforests. As we both said, it's in the Outer Rim Territories, and it's part of the Spice Triangle. That's right. That, yeah. Uh, that leads to some of the stuff that we saw in uh, not just Mandalorian, but also uh, to uh, Obi-Wan, too. But- that lushness which if i remember correctly that was part of uh legends or at least some of the um eu stuff that talked about tatooine a long time ago almost as like this not endor ish style but much 
more lush and like rainforests and lakes and that yeah. kind of stuff and greenery. And then in the Book of Boba Fett, they expand upon that where they talk about how there used to be lakes on the planet. So they alluded to that and sort of brought it from EU into canon, which, you know, you think about that, what kind of transformation that would be to what we know as it now versus what it was like, you know, centuries ago. Uh, what a transformation that must have been. Yeah, uh, it almost reminds you from when um, in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, when they talk about the planet that was just ravaged by the empire mm. and how it went from having a bunch of natural resources to being barren in right. a wasteland. Right. And what part of that transformation from this lush ecosystem to what we know now as a sandy or hilly sort of environment, but the amount of money that was invested in by these miners on the planet, uh, which ended up making nothing and therefore, you know, powering lots of Jawas and, and their sand crawlers. Yeah, and you know, with the amount of sandstorms they have, you can imagine how difficult it would be to maintain an operation like that. Right, right. So, you know, you would imagine that they're constantly like vacuuming sand out of the crevices and stuff, um, and like out of the treads and everything, because it's just a mess. It's a mess over there. So, you know, it's more, more, more trouble than it's worth. Dustbusters, right? Yeah. So you know, so these these mining guilds were all like, "Nah, we good," and they pieced out. Right. I and, well, I don't blame them because, like, you know, I get in my car after a day at the beach, and it's like, ah, oh, man, I might as well just toss the thing. That's funny when you bring up the sandstorms because you know when we first see the Jawas and of course C three PO and R two at uh, the uh, Lars Homestead, and the Jawas are lining up all the droids uh, for them to purchase. You think about maintenance, like, okay, why would you need like droids on a moisture farm? But that's one of the very specific things. Those moisture evaporators right. a, were prey not only to those sandstorms, like you mentioned, but also Tuscan Raiders and damage, that kind of stuff. They needed constant maintenance. And that then speaks yep. to why Owen needed Luke to stay on because – it was like almost like a constant battle, like a, a war of attrition against their the environment, against their machinery to harvest the moisture. Yeah, and that, as we do see in the in the Obi Wan series, that moisture is is harvested and then sold. Sold, yeah. Because you know not everybody's got moisture evaporators, mm -hmm. so the people that kind of uh, live in those rural areas need moisture as well. Yeah. So that was kind of their livelihood, but it's just. Can we take a moment here? Everybody knows Jawas are shady, right? Like, okay. you know they're little thieves, yes. okay? Uh -huh. Like, that's that's been well established. Yes. So, why are you going to buy your droids from them? <laughs> Is there any other choice? Okay, but why are you going <laughs> to buy your droids from them? It's like it's like it's like the sleazy used car salesman that's like, ah, you don't need to see the uh, Carfax on this one. Trust me, he's fine. It's fine. He's well motivated. Yeah, and he's not well motivated <laughs> at all. At all. Oh man, it's such a weird thing. Like, I guess it's supply and demand. They've got the supply. Don't ask them where they got it. No, but no. they got the supply, and you got the demand. So it's like. And then even Luke is like, you know, Aunt Peru's like, make sure his means botchy. And he's like, they got like for droids here. There's like six of them. And like, none of them are what we need, but we need something. They're also driving up like to the front door. It's like uh, Uber droids. You know, they have nothing to do except just like look at their lineup. 
they're you know what they are they're the tougher wear sales they're going door to door and like ah look at this one nice yeah. huh and you're like if i buy something we just leave <laughs> this please? one com- this one comes with a lid <laughs> right and then you know and this one you know breaks the lid bocce so whatever <laughs> um it's a weird thing they're very opportunistic that's for sure oh yeah yeah that's mm-hmm. they're shady now, do you think um, that they um, – wasn't much written about it, but do, do you think they lived and they were on the planet during this lush period and they survived and adapted to the dry? No. Okay. I don't think so. Judging by their uh, general appearance, I feel like they're they're kind of cave-dwelling at heart. Okay. And then, of course, you know, they, they now live in sand crawlers because it's not only a, a vehicle, but it's also like a base of operations. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like a movie So city they almost. can live there, too. Yeah. And uh, wreak their squirrely havoc on, on <laughs> unsuspecting customers. But it, even down to, like, their robes and their and their boots and everything, it's it's very, like, sand appropriate. True. Yeah. And and twin sons beating down a new mm. uh, appropriate attire. Right. They're also very hairy, aren't they? I, from what I understand, I've never seen one up close. So it's kind of like the Wild West, okay? Because it's out in the outer rim, and you've got like settlements, you've got like small towns. Yes. Um, that have been explored through, you know, Moss Eisley, Moss Pelgo, Moss Espa, and all the other mosses. And um, you really get the vibe that they're all sort of like generally self-reliant, self-sufficient, um, you know, but then they're kind of under the, you know, hut space mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or some sort of uh, criminal organization, whether it be like the Pikes. Right. Or, um, you know, crime syndicates of that nature and all. So it draws smugglers, uh, ruffians, mm-hmm. and general ne'er-do-wells. <laughs> yeah, and definitely these communities or these population areas are very isolated from each other. Yeah. So you've got to travel long and far to get from one place to another. And that's got to be nerve-wracking as like a moisture farmer. It's like, wow, I'm like, you know, 12 hours from help or getting someone else out here so that could lead like you said to hut you know or you know nefarious ne'er-do-wells or tuscan raiders <laughs> you know taking over or you know like i said ne'er-do-wells ne'er-do-wells um that's again adds to the whole rough life of trying to make a go of it on tatooine um right. certainly uh certainly not well and by the time we see in uh, a new hope that planet is certainly firmly in the grasp of the huts and Jabba. Well, let's identify him properly. Oh, uh, boy. Here we go. Well, yeah. Jabba Desilic Tiuri. Yes. His full name. Um, right. So uh, I'm glad that you did your research. Um, but but OK, so <laughs> here's the problem with that. So so it's in this spice triangle, which is like three spice hyperspace routes that are all controlled by the huts. They go to, you know, different areas and all, but it's like this convergence of them. So, you know, you're going to have these scoundrels and such that frequent the area. Right. But like, if you owe this big gangster, all sorts of money, why are you going to be on the planet? Like right near where he lives and like has his base of operations. Like you're asking for trouble. He has the money though. (laughs) 
Yeah, but he doesn't have it with him. So, it, yeah, so it's just like a weird thing. Like, like I get that, like, you got to run into Han and all this and everything for the story to work. Yes. But, like, why is he literally, like, Greedo was like, this is the easiest job on the planet. My boss told me to find this guy, and he's in the bar right here. <laughs> Where he always sits. Now, right. do you think? Same booth. It says reserved for Solo. Right on the booth. And that doesn't mean one person. It means Han Solo. Right, exactly. Now, do you think that's a very good point? Um, do you think that <laughs> the it's the lesser of two evils because you know, Tat Tatooine uh did was not under the strict patrol of the Empire because it was so far Correct. out. And the Empire sort of tolerated Jabba sort of running this area and they knew what was going on, but sort of cast a blind eye to it. So do you think that Han, who had, you know, had had to escape a uh, blockade runner um, not too long ago, do you think that, okay, well, I think I'm going to you know, take my chances with Jabba versus my chances with the Empire? No. Okay, so here's the deal. First of all, he dumped his shipment at the first sign of the blockade, <laughs> right? No, I'm serious. So, That's so, yes, so yeah. when he gets to the blockade, he's got nothing. He already right, dumped it. Right. It's like when you see the police chase, they toss the pot out the window, and then the cops are all like, oh, we're pretty sure you had pot, but you don't have it now. Basically, they're like, uh, don't do drugs. Okay. <laughs> That's all they can do because they can't arrest you for right. having something you don't have. Right. Okay. So he didn't get in any imperial entanglements. Okay. But he dumped all the job of spice. So, like, Jabba's going to be pissed at him, and the Empire's going to be suspicious of him, mm -hmm. okay? But it's weird. It's weird that he's, like, right there. Right, okay. Like, I'll give you that. Like, when he knows he's got a price on his head, because he even tells Chewie, he's like, ah, oh, 17, that's going to pay my debt for Jabba. You know what I mean? Like, he already knows he's got the debt. Right. No, that's true. Yeah. I don't know. Then, of course, Obi-Wan cuts a the dude's arm off right yes on baba right? right so he cuts his arm off and everybody's like whoa all right cool like and they're back to their drinks you know what i mean and then two minutes later as we all know han shoots only and then <laughs> like dead greedos at the table han and then just gets up and like flips the barkeep a tip and everybody's like goes about their business like that's the kind of place this is it is the <laughs> Hive of scum and villainy, for sure. Just mm -hmm. like, you know, just like you described it to Luke. And the desolation of this planet and its seclusion from Coruscant and the guise of uh, the Empire certainly does, you know, help with people not reacting to that type of violence because, eh, just another day at the bar. You know, that's sort of... that's Right, right. <laughs> yeah. The bar keeps like, honey, guess what? Two of them died today. <laughs> Um, Only yeah, two. but I got a tip because we had to carry the old uh, roadie and out back and, uh, you know, I got some credits uh, floating my way. <laughs> <laughs> but what's inter interesting is that, you know, Moss Eisley uh, being sort of like the the center of the story, uh, it's actually smaller than Moss Espa. That's correct. But, you know, you get the sense that, first of all. You're going to have a smaller budget on a new hope. <laughs> so, so, so there's that. But then also like he's a rural dwelling farm boy. Yes. So like he's not going to be near one of those big settlements. And in fact, when, you know, he's out looking for R2, 
you see him flying that land speeder, probably exceeding the speed limit. Um, <laughs> and like going and going and oh, going. Sure. And there's yeah. nothing. There's yes. nothing. Yeah, and the Junlin uh, wastes. I They're to... not to be traveled lightly. No, and nor nor they travel quickly. Um, because no. I tried to find sort of like a canon sort of quote unquote map. Uh, I know that in the Book of Boba Fett series where they showed the factions, I think, you know, near the end of the series. Uh, but it doesn't give sort of like a, a topographical view. No. Um, but they did show Freetown at one point was like sort of all the way to the left versus Mos uh, Espa. Uh, yeah. Where Peli uh, was. Uh, Pelgo. Yeah. But it's right, Ross Pelgo, yeah, yeah, before Freetown. So there's, but then I found one map that sort of gave what looked like a you know close enough rendition of where those places are. And when Luke mentions that I want to go to Toshi Station, I mean, that is far. I mean, you could see why Uncle Owen was like, No, you got yeah. chores to do because that's like, that's a huge waste yeah, of time. That's like a whole day, it's like half a day to get there and a half yeah. a day to get back. And same thing with the Junlin Waste. Offer some power converters, right? Are you kidding me? Right, why don't you just go to Anchorhead at the same time? It's right beside it, you know. So, yeah, that distance between each of these places definitely played into um, like isolationism and yeah, and then it gives you a real sense of you know why Obi-Wan's hiding out there. It's like there's nothing going on there, yeah, first of all, and then second of all, it's like. You know, when Luke hears about Jedi, he's like, what? <laughs> Something he's never heard of. And, like, they were just a bunch of them 25 years ago. And now they're all gone. And you're like, how's this kid not even know what a Jedi is? They were just, like, rampant through the galaxy five years before he was born. But he was born, and then Uncle Owen's like, nah, like, you don't need to know about them. So he was sheltered, and he didn't have space TV. to like, He didn't have, like, the History Channel to, to know. And... The people that he interacted with were like Biggs and Tank and stuff that yeah. were all interested in flying. Nobody was interested in the myth of the Jedi. So, if he, of course, he didn't know about it. Yeah. And the Imperial Academy, right? Because that's the academy we're talking yeah. about is the Imperials. That was their ticket off planet. Luke was literally jonesing to join the academy as soon as he could because he saw Biggs and Tank, you know, make it off the planet. Um, which which is always fascinating to think about is that he ends up, Luke, I mean, ends up fighting against the very academy and the Imperials that he was wanting to join to get off the yeah. planet. Well, because he didn't even know about the Rebels right. until he knew about the Rebels. Right. So then, of course, all this stuff goes down while he's off, like, hanging out at old Ben's place. Mm. And then Ben's like, let's get off world. And he's like, yes, please. <laughs> so they do. And then you have a whole movie where you don't see it at all. And that's the only movie. No. Nah. Because we don't see I mean, it. Do we see Tat Tatooine in, um, in uh, Force Awakens? So, no. So uh, it's funny because uh, <laughs> it's the only movie in, in the first two trilogies. For, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, I told you ahead of this. Um, to to pronounce it Tatooine uh, throughout the whole episode, and you're doing a great job so far. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's so it's the only movie in that series in that trilogy that that does not feature Tatooine in Empire Strikes Back. So you know, we'll fast forward through that a little bit, and um, then we get back to Return of the Jedi. Yes, and of course that also starts on Tatooine. Yes. And uh, under very different circumstances, of course. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, a triumphant return for C-3PO and R2-D2. At least at this point, they have a purpose versus wandering. Right. They're not wandering. They're, they're not, you know, just uh, looking for help. They're, they're looking to start some or, crap. you know, walking um, by like a crate dragon. Now, what's interesting about the crate dragon, by the way, I had no idea there's two types of crate dragons. There's the crate dragon that we see in that sort of like snake looking one that we see like on the ridge as they're walking the, the by. The skeleton. The skeleton. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the crate dragon, but then there's the greater crate dragon, and that's the uh, one we I bet s- that one's bigger. And that's the one we see in the Mandalorian season that actually moves through rock and sand and attack. That's the that's the big one, which is really cool. So then that makes total sense because I remember seeing. It, I was like, wow, that looks nothing like that sort of you know snake looking skeleton. That's why there's two types of crate dragons. That was fascinating. To see. Right, right, yeah. and they do like some like subsonic like vibration thing to, to get able to through move stuff. through yes yeah. so so those are there yes. as well great dragon <laughs> yes of course i we're mean we're on... gonna get to that when we get to the sarlacc but that's you know uh neither here nor there um so of course our hero droids are heading to java's palace which mm-hmm. at one point was a monastery for the bomar order oh. of monks and that is partially why you know when the when the big gate door is closing um you see the one little spider droid thing with the brain yep. in the jar um going by that's a bomar monk yes so and how cool is it that favro plucked that bomar monk from that movie and placed him in the uh, Book of Boba Fett. It I mean, makes perfect sense. Yes. and it, But it's such a cool little detail that, of course, you yeah. expect from them. And that you expect nothing less, of course. Right. So, of course, they get into a pickle and it, go, it goes to the pit of Carcoon. Oh. Where there's the Sarlacc. Yeah. Yeah. And the Sarlacc, I mean, that thing is bad news. But uh, they, you, you assume that they made quick order of that thing when they blew up the sail barge and, and all this. And then they pieced out. Mm-hmm. Off the planet again. Right. But there's quite the story of the Sarlacc and one Boba Fett, of course. It's true. Yeah. Now, before we get to that. Right. We're going to take a quick break. Uh-huh. And then we'll go back in time. We're going to go back in time. All right. We'll be right back. What's the best little snack in the outer rim? It's Toshi Station Bagels. Now featuring donuts. <laughs> And we are back. Thank you very much to our sponsors. And uh, wow, Toshi Station Bagels uh, <laughs> now serving donuts. That's uh... Yeah, well, speaking of a blast from the past Ooh. and being back, oh. let's flash back to the prequel trilogy. Nice. Very cool. And, uh, you know, so that brings us to the Phantom Menace in the prequel trilogy. And we find Anakin raised as a slave there where pod racing is a bit of a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so is slavers, unfortunately, and gambling. Um, that's Correct. Yeah. Correct. And gambling on slavers pod racing. Yes. <laughs> which is like the trifecta of like bad news. <laughs> Unless you wave those chance dice. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, that's not cheating. You no. didn't touch them. So you've got um, slavers and all this other stuff, you know, and pod racing is a huge thing. Like there's there's so, so many people in the stands watching like the Boutique Classic. Boutique, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So everybody's like, that's like the Super Bowl of Tatooine. Yeah. So um, I guess there's nothing else to do on the planet but bullseye womp rats. So, I mean, 
watching a pod race is pretty close second. Right. And you're going through Baker's Canyon, all those very challenging areas. Right. And of course, again, Bunti Eve Classic takes place in Moss Espa. It's which, yeah. you know, it's not Moss Isley. And we also see a bounty hunter for a very quick second. Yes. Or a sing. That's kind of a cool, very quick little sight we have of her there. Yeah, that was um, one of the cornerstone excitement parts of the Phantom Menace, where we get to see how challenging it was for these pod races and deadly as well, of course. Well, not very challenging for one little uh, talented fella. We're talking, of course, of Anakin Skywalker, who, you know, wins his way off planet by winning the uh, classic and being able to afford uh, Qui-Gon the money to fix the ship and get out of there. So they do, and they bring him to go be a Jedi and stuff. Um, (laughs) So then Anakin comes back in Attack of the Clones. Uh Yeah. And he comes back to a Tusken encampment. Yeah. Which is another interesting thing. It's like Tent City. You know, of Tuscans, and they also have their uh, Massifs. Massifs, yep. The first yeah, appearance of the Massifs, cool. very cool, yep. I mean, and in the Super Nintendo game, they always would kill you, but they're pretty cool. Um, That's cool, they made it into that game, yeah? Yeah, yeah, their little spikes would get you, and then awesome. they lose a heart, and that's it, you're done. Um, <laughs> terrible. I mean, if you use Luke, you can, like, force jump over them, but still, it's it sucks. Anyway, um... Yeah, so he comes there and he murders all the sand people because they tortured his mother, which yes. is a terrible thing. Yes, and she dies in his arms, of course. Yes, one of the many people that died. Yeah, very similar um, to um, himself and Luke. Yeah. And he killed not just the men, but the women and the children as well. Eh, it wouldn't be the first time. No. Well, and no, it wouldn't this be This is the first time. time. Right. This right. is the first time he gets his taste for it here. Oh, um, man. And his, his hunger is never satiated. <laughs> well, eventually it is. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's oh, a quite a pivotal, pivotal moment, though, for sure. And uh, he returns to the Lars homestead where Padme's waiting and uh, she offers him some hot cocoa and a little hug and everything's OK. Right, right. He's like, listen, I just murdered a bunch of uh, indigenous peoples. And she's like, that's cool. Can we get married? So they do. Um, <laughs> and then further depth on that, uh, listen to our attack of the clones with the star wives. They have some interesting takes on that <laughs> whole thing. <laughs> yes. Oh boy. So then lastly in the prequel trilogy, uh, revenge of the Sith. Yes. Obi-Wan returns with baby Luke to deliver him safely to his uncle, setting up the original trilogy quite nicely. Oh, quite perfectly. Yeah. And, and Peru, uncle Owen, Graciously accepting Luke, and and we see them again, same actors, which was wonderful to see uh, in the Kenobi series, um, yeah. just carried forward. And uh, Obi Wan is you know charged with looking after Luke and staying on Tatooine, which is a perfect dovetail into a New Hope. Yeah, and I mean, it's a tough economy on Tatooine. Who are we kidding? So uh, he's going to end up need a job. We'll get to that later. Um, so then, of course. We have the Clone Wars. And Tatooine yes. is... Fe- I'm sorry, what? Tatooine. Yes. Tatooine <laughs> is featured um, in the Clone Wars as well. Yes. When, um, when the Jedi head to Tatooine to rescue and uh, return uh, Rada, Rada the, the Hutt hut. yeah. to his family. Yes. Taken- A little sluglet. <laughs> Taken to uh, to an off-world planet as a part of a scheme by the... Uh, by the separatists, uh, which ultimately fails, 
but yes, um, it's very odd to see the Jedi working with Jabba uh, and sort of trying to keep those uh, those uh, political lines. Yeah, as... I mean, they're keepers of the peace, first and foremost. So they're not trying to rock the boat. Right. All right. Right. And they know that this uh, this dude's going to go on a slimy rampage if his nephew's not brought back. So um, they're like, listen, this is going to be for the good of the of yes. the galaxy. So yes. we'll save the little sluglet and bring him back and all will be sluglet. right in the world, I guess. <laughs> sluglet. That's what he is. It is. Yeah. 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 And Zero the Hut too also plays. Uh, oh, good that. grief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, was it uh, Truman Capote the Hut? Um <laughs> <laughs> That's who he is. It's... Uh, that's that's him. He's extravagant and eccentric. Um, so he's got like weird tattoos and stuff too. He's got like the kind of tattoos that that Anakin has in the micro series. You oh, know, yeah, Those sort of like like geometric line yes. tattoos and yeah. like the tribal shapes and uh-huh. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very. Tribal. I mean, they're cool, but like, yeah. it's weird. I mean, huts with tattoos is just a weird thing. Well, huts uh, <laughs> to begin with are a weird thing. Throw tattoos well, on. Well, that's very true as well. <laughs> uh, so, um, but then Tatooine is also featured in Star Wars Rebels. Oh, yes. Namely, when Ezra is like following his new mentor, or whatever, um, and gets uh, gets like summoned to Tatooine. And that's where they run into old Ben. Yeah. Kenobi. Yeah. Using the and holocron and basically Maul using Ezra. As I a... mean, is anyone really surprised? The only one who's surprised about this is Ezra. Well, of course. Yeah. And he's still not convinced. He's still like, you guys, I think he's probably an upright dude. <laughs> I'll take care of this young one. <laughs> and he's only upright because, you know, he got fixed on his torso. But the one thing we've learned is you can survive a lateral slash, but not a vertical slash. True, true. Because even being mm-hmm. speared through or gored through, you can also survive that as well. Right, right. <laughs> it's very and, specific. And, and lateral slash, like you, you through and through from left to right, yeah, it's a possibility. But north to south, forget it. That episode of Rebels is one of the best episode i mean just for the impact and the emotional oh yeah it's fantastic it. episode. yeah that's probably one of the ones i've watched the most i mean i've watched the series it's several a great times. episode yeah it's a triumphant submission by sam whitler mm-hmm. all of it is just very well done and it is the the final uh timeline scene um of mall yes yeah so. and a fitting end too i mean just the emotional impact of what he had to say to obi-wan and um is he is he the chosen one you know it's just very very poignant and we were just recently on with uh david and mary over at black spire Podcast. that's Thank the you. one and we were just talking about how you know maul being introduced in the phantom menace and then getting his just character exploration in the clone wars and then getting that bookend in rebels was just a fascinating and extremely moving arc for that character. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for all the, not to get off topic, but um, speaking of which, um, all of the crap 
that Maul had been put through. Mm-hmm. All of the betrayals, the double crossing, the used and discarded that he's been through. Um, you know, his his perceived greatest adversary is the one who's with him when he dies and offers him that peace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just a very it's a very impactful scene and it's it's a it's a fitting end to his character because you know he's already killed him once Mm. um (laughs) so it's only fitting that that he finishes the deed as it were on tatooine because we see of course maul tracking down qui-gon and anakin and um obi-wan once the uh naboo cruiser uh is stranded there and he makes it tatooine and obi-wan gets a glimpse of him obviously it's mostly Qui-Gon, who's battling him for a little bit before he jumps into the cruiser. But it's very interesting to see that that's how far back their history goes. Yeah. And, you know, it's weird that, like, he's coming after the Jedi. But, like, here's this little 10-year-old kid that he's, like, trying to gun down. Yes. That has, like, as far as he knows, nothing to do with what's going on. (laughs) But he's like, I'm going to take out this kid on my way here. Like, what? That's that's why Anakin had a propensity for taking out kids. He saw it from Maul. Yeah, he's like, yeah, it's like the uh, the abuser, the abuse becoming the abuser. That's what he is. It's learned behavior. My it's God. His environment. Yeah. Boo. <laughs> he's a product of his environment. Exactly. Sure. Oh man. So yeah, so so that all happens, and then there's the sequel trilogy. Not much going on there with that to win. Yeah. Uh, but we get to. Disney Plus, and, and we, we see some Tatooine in The Mandalorian. Yeah, it's big time Tatooine. Yeah, there's some other mosses with the introduction of Moss Pelgo. Yeah. And it's still a desert, but it has like Western like towns. It's got that feel of like, you know, you've got buildings on both sides of the, you know, of the Sand Street, not Sand Sweet, Sand Street. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> You know, it's it's like tumbleweeds. Yes. So it's it's very western feel, and then there's like this dude with a wide brim hat that shows up at some point. But anyway, um, they have marshals and gunslingers and stuff, so it's very much a western feel to it. And that's all because after Leia killed Jabba, that vacuum that was created by his basically control of the planet was yeah trying to be filled by various factions i mean and there's been like a huge amount of factions you know like you got the kinton striders that we see in book of boba fett we got of course right. the pike syndicate that shows up the aqualish have a presence there the clatoonians trandoshans the modders clatoonians um, yeah <laughs> and um even the red cur riders which are part of what we're talking about right now it, it became sort of this epicenter for Okay, well, there's definitely an underbelly of uh, of money to be made with gambling or uh, slaving, that kind of thing. So and spice running and spice running and part of that uh, that triangle, like you had mentioned. So there's definitely a uh, a value to th- where the planet is, not necessarily what's on the planet, but just like it's it's position yeah. away from the empire. Absolutely. And um, you know, they did take more of a notice after Jabba was was killed. But still yeah. very much hands off, like casting even more of a blind eye. And listen, it's kind of like if you got eight kids and you got <laughs> one kid that's, you know, relatively self-sufficient and can like 
watch after two of the other kids. Now you're down to five kids you got to worry about, right? So the Empire is like, listen, this is like way over there. I don't know. We'll send like a couple detachments there, but let's not get too invested, okay? There's not a whole lot going on there. There's not a lot of people. There's not like some like rebel base or anything there. So there's no sense in us really super occupying the place. Right. It's you know, every once in a yeah. while we'll have some stormtroopers show up, knock on some locked doors, and it'll be the end of it. You know? Uh, but then, of course, after, you know, in this part of the timeline, after the original trilogy, then, you know, those remnant stormtroopers, like, people had enough of them. So, you know, they end up going all whisperers on them and, like, putting their heads on spikes and stuff. So, um, or they're, well, they're, they're helmets. Right. Okay, we don't know if there's heads in the helmets. Yeah. But it's, it's that visual. Right, right. Still very, you know, right. jarring for sure. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a cool visual, but but still, it's like because they're bad, you know. You yeah, want yeah. your heads on spike. So it's a whole different environment now, where it's like, oh, you know, there's a couple stormtroopers here. Let's mind our p's and q's. And then after the original trilogy, when the empire is like essentially dissolved, they're like, uh, nah, we're straight with it. We're gonna come after them. You know. <laughs> I mean, look at the cantina. I mean, it went from we don't serve their kind here to a cantina being run by a droid. Right, and not only a droid, but one of our favorite Star Wars is people. That's right, voiced by Mark That's Hamill. That's right, voiced by Mark Hamill, our favorite. The best. <laughs> and R5-D4 in the foreground when we first see that. Yes, and we yeah, even well, see, yeah. I mean, his motivator's been fixed. Right, and you see, like, the, the scarring, the, the, the battle, like, sort allegedly, of the scarring. Yeah, Allegedly fixed. I'll believe it when I see it. Talk to um, R2 about that. It's probably fixed by a Jawa. Um, yeah, but they still like their pod racer engines. They do. But yeah. they reduce, reuse, and recycle them at the personal speeders. Right, or at least uh, cooking engines. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, they do that too. Um, yeah, uh, so yeah. So then we see, we do get to see the, uh, the Massifs and the crates um, actually, you know, existing. Not just, yes. you know, skeletal remains. Right. Um, which is very cool. And um, I feel like in the season two Mandalorian premiere that there were massives that, that attacked um, uh, Gore Koresh. Yes. Okay. Remember when he strings them up on yes. the light post and they yes. like pow pow with the lights, yep. everything goes uh -huh. dark and the glowing eyes. Yeah, the glowing I eyes. I think those are massives. I feel would, like those That are would massive. make 100% sense. Yeah, because what other – there's no other indigenous species that we know of, at least at this point, that would match that size so that and, and ability to be able to do that. Dog yeah. Type of, yeah, yeah. Unless womp rats, but I don't know. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll... I mean, womp rats probably seem to mind their business a little more. And than... also, too, the targeting of womp rats seems to suggest that they're small because it's more of a challenge to hit them, right? Yeah, well, they're no bigger than two meters. Right. So there you go. And masses are much bigger because <laughs> <laughs> they're massive. And they have that weird, like, toad creature that's outside the Java's palace. Too. Oh, yes. That, uh... Remember that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he was a pain in that video game, too, because he always, like, stick his tongue out, and then he, like, hurt you. It's terrible. Oh, my gosh. Um, I, I never played these video games. It's fascinating to hear, like, bad, how, how many of these game. characters and I, <laughs> and I never beat it because, uh, you know, Lando just wasn't fast enough for the Falcon. I was burned up in the Death Star. Oh, could you re – I've heard this story quite a bit. It's quite funny. It's not funny. I never beat the game. Ever. 
How many times did you play it to try and beat it? Like for years. <laughs> for years. <laughs> and I would and I would just breeze through the whole freaking thing. And then I get to that. I don't even know if it was the last level. I assume it was the last level, but I never know because, because never I never got, got past it. it. And then, and it's like, you know, and so the, the, the fly in is like, fine. You know, of course you can go slower because there's not a fireball chasing you. <laughs> um, and you go in and you, you find the core and you pew pew the core. And then it's like, you got to go 90 miles an hour out of this thing. And it's no wider than the Falcon. So you're hitting the rafters, you're hitting all the support beams. And then, if you go any slower, then you get burnt to a crisp. Terrible. <laughs> terrible. Terrible. Just terrible. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. Anyway, so we're getting away from that. Right, right. Yes. Bad man. And then we're getting to the Book of Boba Fett. Right. Yes. So, of course, Book of Boba Fett's going to start out where we last saw him, which is on... Tatooine. Exactly. <laughs> so, of course, he, uh, he he gets out the pit of carcoon very um resourceful mm -hmm. uh means of escaping the sarlacc yes. i'm convinced you know, by course. the way that scene where he escapes with the fire that stormtrooper in that little cave area that like literally looks like a stormtrooper um og figure from 1977 um kenner figure it just it has that look about it it has that gloss to it it it's almost as if they reproduced that for that purpose because it had that very visceral look i don't know i mean i no way of confirming that but when i see that i see that i mean you're probably not far off because they do that kind of stuff yeah so i mean i would imagine that that's yeah like something that they would do um so we just ask john i mean next talk to him we're, we're having dinner with him are we on sunday no i don't think so no, okay <laughs> i think it canceled he's oh, got like plans or something right. i don't know so, you know, of course, he escapes and then he gets involved in the criminal underworld. He's dealing with the pikes and all. And then you see part of that um, spice triangle where you got these trade routes yeah. uh, with the trains and all for spice. Oh, that's such a cool part. And then like the, yeah. the the Tuscans, you know, picking them off and everything. And like it's very it's very treacherous for sure. Oh, yeah. Like it's that's a whole ordeal for sure. But, um, you know, it's interesting, too, to see like that side of the culture for the Jawas right. in the Mandalorian mm -hmm. and and then the culture of that particular tribe tribe awesome. um and that was a really yeah, cool part of it yeah that's sort of like a really deep culture to it you know yeah so you know obviously you've got different tribes just like uh, Native Americans you have different tribes that are maybe more um more aggressive Mm -hmm. than others that you know presumably are the ones that, that anakin dealt with in in episode two right and then you have the more more cultured sort of tradesman type ones that, that din dealt with because they would barter with people and and then of course have the tuscan language but yeah. you know having that other language of uh that sign language allows them to communicate with people because they, they they use that sort of guttural language yes that they can't form words like mm -hmm. and use galactic basic right that's a way of communicating with with those that um that don't understand them right and it's more for trade and for um improvement of their own society yeah but i mean you know let alone their ingenuity for surviving on their own like those black melons for example that um, yeah uh, boba was harvesting 
And we see those not just in the Mandalorian, but also in Book of Boba Fett. Those are like sources of water that are just like appear yeah. that are uh, in the sand dunes and highly valuable because you're talking about a desolate planet where moisture and water are like a massive premium. But that's certainly that culture that we saw within the Book of Boba Fett and that one scene where I'm sure like second or third episode where they're doing that tribal dance. Uh, it was just so, yes. so cool to see. And the fever dream that he had where he when uh, you know, which he built his. Um, his yeah. And that's the other interesting part about it, too. It's a, like a strange parallel, because as a Jedi, one of the trials that you go through is building your own saber. Oh, that's cool. Very and cool. And then in the tribe to kind of, uh, you know, graduate and, and you know, rank up or whatever, uh, you you build your own gaffy stick. Right. After a little gecko jumps in your nose and away you go. Right, exactly. So um, <laughs> I expect that to be the next um, experience at Galaxy's Edge. We do have a plethora of geckos here in Florida. <laughs> right. And, and you know. And to, to have your build your own gaffy stand would be pretty cool, too. Bring your own gecko. Save 20%. <laughs> oh, there you go. Reduce, reuse. So Tatooine has, has featured pretty significantly throughout, uh, throughout the franchise, which, you know, it's, it's great because it's the first planet you see in first Star Wars film. And then it's the last one you see in, in episode three. And then with with some of the other stories they've been telling, all roads lead back to Tatooine with Boba Fett. You know, that's that's where he kicks back off his story from from where he was when we left him. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you've got you know, Boba Fett's armor. And, right. and you know, Din Djarin's looking for Mandalorians and he hears about some Mandalorian with the armor and all. It turns out not to be a Mandalorian, but it brings him back to Tatooine. Yes. Of course, it's it's linked to Boba Fett, who was last there. So, you know, it all makes sense because people are like, oh, why they keep going to Tatooine? But, you know, with the stories they're telling, they have that tie. They do. And, Tatooine. you know, like Cobb Vanth bringing in the armor, which right. is a fantastic character from the Aftermath series. And, you know, with the Rise of Skywalker, one of the last scenes we see in that movie is Rey returning to Tatooine. Sorry, Rey returning to Tatooine. And with BB-8 yep. to bury the lightsabers by the Lars homestead, you know, as a closing of a chapter of a story um, after she's well, built her own. I think Force Ghost Obi-Wan came to her and said what he said to the Jedi in uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, where he's like, take your saber and bury it in the desert. Oh, she, like, all right. Holy crap. Uh-huh. His you idea. Think? That's what. What's his name? Um. Nary or whatever, yeah, that one, that one Jedi who, um, yeah, the guy that ended up revealed not being himself smart and enough he to was, leave. Wow. Yeah. Whoo. Okay, I got some uh, goosebumps here. Dang, man. Yeah. So I mean, that's like the practice of the, uh, I would imagine, retired Jedi. Um, you know, sort of like, um, like when uh, in the Clone Wars when they put the uh, troops helmets. Out, yes, mm -hmm. you know, in, in they leave them there, remembrance yeah. of mm -hmm. them. I feel like that's kind of the way you honor those Jedi that have come before, you know, as far as Luke is concerned or even Obi-Wan. Right. Fitting, though, too, because you've got Rey coming back to Tat Tatooine. Bookending the entire saga made 100% sense for me, at least within The Rise of Skywalker, because that's where it all started. And 
It was an homage to the entire story. This planet has proven to be a pivotal planet for so many reasons and continues to be because these, uh, you know, the streaming series are, you know, not independent of the movies, but they are certainly running alongside of them. But it continues to show that Tatooine is a critical plot point and nexus for so many of these adventures in the Star Wars saga. Yeah, and, you know, other stuff can happen other places, too. But, you know, again, as far as the story that, that they're telling and what just makes sense as, you know, launching points and, and sort of uh, plot points in these stories, it's like, well, yeah. I mean, of course, if you're going to talk about, you know, these these other characters that are that are heading somewhere for some purpose, it's like that's that purpose makes sense and that, that planet makes sense. And, um you know, so it keeps popping up in mm -hmm. the in the Skywalker era saga stories. Um, now, how much of that will we see in the other projects? Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know how much more of it we'll see other than, you know, nods to what came before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll be difficult to pull away from the Skywalker saga without mentioning it. But if we move away from either pre-prequels or post-sequels, then that becomes more um, more viable. Yeah, and, you know, even even if you're in that realm uh, of time, it's a whole planet. Mm -hmm. Like, you could, you could you know, stop there to, to fill up your gas tank. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's ways that you could hint at it, kind of wink at it in, in other projects without Focusing. going down the, uh, yeah. the path of the Skywalkers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We've done some some other planets, but it's important with how significant it is through the franchise to to really drag that one front and center, especially on our road to 100 episodes for sure. Yeah. So uh, I guess that's um, most of the uh, most of the gist with um, that tween. You know, obviously, you found us here. You can listen to us here, wherever here may be. Um, <laughs> but we do have our website, conversations.com. We are at Facebook.com slash Conversations, at Suations on Twitter, Conversations on the Instas. Our link tree is link.tree slash Conversations, where you can find all those and more. Mm -hmm. uh, we're also part of the Red 5 Podcast Network, bio.link slash Red 5. And with that being said, well, if there's a bright center to the Star Wars saga then Tatooine is that planet. Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. Red 5 Network.